You're listening to Give Me the Bible with Len. Today's topic is entitled Overcomers. Hello my radio friends. I'm really glad that you've joined me today for another program in the series, Give Me the Bible. You may know someone who, despite some major problem or problems in their life or lives, has ended up overcoming. The problems could be a serious handicap, an addiction, a difficult home life, a broken relationship, being harassed in the workplace or being thought of as someone who's quite inferior or different. I look up to people who, despite serious difficulties in their lives, instead of going under, fight on and achieve positive goals. For me, these people are fantastic role models. One such person was Fanny Jane Crosby often referred to as Fanny J. Crosby. She was born in Putnam County, New York in 1820. Crosby became ill within two months after her birth, with inflammation of the eyes. Unfortunately, the family doctor was away, and another man, pretending to be a doctor, treated her by prescribing hot mustard poultices to be applied to her eyes. Her illness eventually relented, but the treatment left her blind. When the doctor was revealed to be a quack, he disappeared. A few months later, Crosby's father died. Her mother was forced to find work as a maid to support the family and Fanny was mostly raised by her Christian grandmother. Fanny loved poetry. Her first verse, written at age eight, echoed her lifelong refusal to feel sorry for herself. Here's what it was. Oh, what a happy soul I am, although I cannot see. I am resolved that in this world, contented, I will be. How many blessings I enjoy that other people don't. To weep and sigh because I'm blind, I cannot and I won't. While she enjoyed her poetry, she zealously memorized the Bible. Memorizing five chapters a week, even as a child, she could recite the Pentateuch the first five books, the Gospels, the Proverbs, the Song of Solomon, and many Psalms, and give the chapter and verse as well. Her mother's hard work paid off. Shortly before her 15th birthday, Crosby was sent to the newly founded New York Institute for the Blind, which was her home for 23 years, 12 as a student, 11 as a teacher. She initially indulged in her own poetry and was called upon to write verses for various occasions. 
In time, the principal asked her to avoid such distractions in favour of her general instruction. We have no right to be vain in the presence of the owner and creator of all things, he said. It was the work of a travelling phrenologist, that's one who studies the shape and irregularities of the skull, for insights into character and mental capacity that changed the school's mind and again ignited her passion. Though phrenology is now considered ridiculous, the phrenologist's words were to prove prophetic. Here is a poetess. Give her every possible encouragement. Read the best books to her and teach her the finest that is in poetry. You will hear from this young lady some day. It didn't take long. By the age of 23, Crosby was addressing the United States Congress and making friendships with presidents. In fact, she knew all the chief executives of her lifetime, especially Grover, uh, Grover Cleveland, who served as secretary for the Institute of the Blind before his election. Another member of the Institute, former pupil Alexander Van Alstein, married Crosby in 1858. Considered one of New York's best organists, he wrote the music to many of Crosby's hymns. Crosby herself put music to only a few of hers, although she played harp, piano, guitar and other instruments. More often musicians came to her for lyrics. For example, one day musician William Doan called in at her home on a surprise visit, begging her to put some words to a tune he had recently written and which he was to perform at an upcoming Sunday school convention. The only problem was that his train to the convention was leaving in 35 minutes. He sat at the piano and played the tune. Your music says, Safe in the arms of Jesus, Crosby said, scribbling out the hymn's words immediately. Read it on the train and hurry. You don't want to be late. That hymn became one of Crosby's most famous. Although she was under contract to submit three hymns a week to her publisher, she often wrote six or seven a day for a dollar or two each. Many became incredibly popular. When Dwight Moody and Ira Sankey began to use them in their crusades, they received even more attention. Among them are Blessed Assurance, All the Way My Saviour Leads Me, To God Be the Glory, Pass Me Not, O Gentle Saviour, Safe in the Arms of Jesus, Rescue the Perishing, and Jesus Keep Me Near the she could write very complex hymns and compose music with a more classical structure. She could even improvise it. But she preferred to write simple, 
sentimental verses that could be used for evangelism. She continued to write her poetry up to her death, a month short of her 95th birthday. You will reach the river brink some sweet day by and by was her last stanza. There are thousands of stories of people who faced severe difficulties but who've overcome the problems and become successful. Such stories are scattered through the Bible. They're there for our encouragement. The interesting thing about the people about whom these stories have been written is why they were able to overcome their obstacles. I believe that these people had a strong faith in God, believing that it was more important to please God through their obedience than to save their own skins. In the Old Testament is the story of Joseph. Joseph was the eleventh and favourite son of Jacob, also known as Israel. Jacob was what we in Australia would call a grazier or squatter. In the US he would have been known as a rancher. As a boy, Joseph had dreams of greatness that made his older brothers jealous to the point where they hated him. While he was yet a teenager, his father sent Joseph out into the open grazing country at Shechem, where all his older brothers had been looking after the flocks and herds. It must have been quite a lot of kilometres away from home. When Joseph found his brothers, they had moved on to Dothan. The brothers saw their opportunity and decided to murder Joseph. But instead... On the, at the, on the advice of the eldest brother, Reuben, they put him in a pit and later sold him to some passing Ishmaelite traders who took him to Egypt and sold him as a slave. Already Joseph had quite some issues to deal with. He was loved by his father, but he was hated by his brothers. Although he grew up as a privileged child, now he had lost all rights as a slave. It is interesting to speculate what may have gone through Joseph's mind on that weary journey on the back of a swaying camel hundreds of kilometres to Egypt. I suspect Joseph made a firm resolution to always be true to God and to be trustworthy to mankind. You do well to read the story of Joseph in the book of Genesis, chapter 37, right through to chapter 50. In Egypt, Joseph, who must have been regarded as a fine-looking young man, he was sold to Potiphar, the captain of Pharaoh's, Pharaoh's the king, the captain of Pharaoh's guard. Genesis chapter 39, verses 2 and 3 say, the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and the Lord made all he did 
to prosper. Joseph became the head servant, and Potiphar trusted him with everything. I expect Potiphar was often away from home, being in the royal guard, and I suspect Potiphar's wife often thought about Joseph to satisfy her sexual urges. One day, when there were no other servants present, Mrs. Potiphar, as it says in verse 7, And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph and said, Lie with me. Well, that was more than just an invitation. It was an order. But Joseph refused and said, How can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? She was determined and tried to grab hold of Joseph, but he slipped out of her grasp and got away, leaving her holding his coat. When Potiphar returned home, his wife told him a pack of lies, claiming that Joseph tried to rape her. So Joseph was imprisoned, falsely accused, and of course without any citizen's rights. But Joseph remained faithful to the Lord, despite the terrible situation he was in. Do you know the saying, it's hard to keep a good man down? Well, that applied to Joseph. In prison, Joseph was cheerful and trustworthy, and it wasn't long before, and it says in verses 21 and through to 23, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy, and he gave him favour of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever they did there was in his doing. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority, because the Lord was with him, and whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. In the prison at one stage were the king's butler and baker. They had done something that displeased the king, and so they were thrown into jail. One night each had a dream, and Joseph, being recognised as a man of God, was given the opportunity to provide the interpretation. The butler, as Joseph prophesied, was reinstated in the king's service, but the baker was beheaded, also as prophesied by Joseph. But two years later on, the pharaoh, the king, also had a dream that troubled him greatly, and he called all the magicians and wise men of Egypt, but no one could interpret the king's dream. Then the butler remembered Joseph and told the king about his dream and how Joseph had interpreted the dream correctly. Genesis 41 verses 14 to 16 says, Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him quickly out of the dungeon, and he shaved, changed his clothing, and came to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream, and there is no one to interpret it. But I have heard that you can understand a dream and interpret it. So Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, It is not me. God 
will give Pharaoh an answer of peace. And we're going to stop here and go on straight afterwards. About tomorrow I just live from day to day I don't borrow from its sunshine For its skies may turn to gray I don't worry about the future For I know what Jesus said And today I walk beside Him For He knows what is ahead Joseph said to the king of Egypt, the Pharaoh was, It's not me. God will give Pharaoh an answer of peace. So Pharaoh had dreamed of seven fat cows coming up out of the Nile River, and then afterwards seven skinny cows also came up, and they ate the fat cows. The second dream was similar. On one stalk seven plump heads of grain grew, but then seven thin heads came up and ate the plump ones. God revealed the interpretation to Joseph that there were to be seven good, bountiful and productive years to come, but would be followed by seven years of drought. 
Joseph also counseled the king to start building storehouses for the excess grain during the good years, to be used during the seven drought years. Pharaoh realized God had shown Joseph what was to happen in the future and immediately promoted him to the highest position of power in the whole of the country of Egypt except himself. Today, we'd probably call him a prime minister, with only the king having more authority than he. What a story. It's an extreme rags-to-riches story. But Joseph was faithful to God, and God looked after him, although there were times in his life that were extremely stressful because of undeserved trouble that came upon him. At 30 years of age as Prime Minister of Egypt, Joseph oversaw a program of building of grain silos, and they were usually underground, as well as overseeing storing up the grain. Seven years later, Joseph oversaw the rationing of the grain to starving Egyptians, as well as to his own family from Israel. God used Joseph to save the lives of multi-thousands of people, including those of his own racial background. Joseph was an overcomer, but he overcame because he remained faithful to the Lord. And the Lord blessed him, even when he was in slavery and imprisoned. My dear friends, you can be overcomers too. Be like Joseph. Commit your lives, your ways, your allegiance to God. He will look after you as he did with Joseph. In Proverbs chapter 3 verses 5 and 6 is this promise. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge God and he will make your paths straight. Sometimes it may seem as if God allows trouble to come into our lives. We ask for help or relief, but as in the case of Joseph, sometimes things may seem to get even worse. But that's the good thing about trusting God. He knows what's best. He knows the future. And he can see the big picture. We just need to trust him. In Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11, as recorded in the New International Version of the Bible, is this beautiful text. It says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. But that will only happen as we commit our lives to the Lord. You can't do your own thing and when you get into trouble start blaming God for your difficulties. When in difficulties, that's the time we should turn to God. Even better is to be faithful to God before getting into difficulties. Revelation chapter 12 verse 11 is about how Satan the devil came to this earth 
and how he attacks God's people. The verse says, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to death. Here the Bible talks about people who, even as martyrs, lost their lives, yet were overcomers. You see, in the great controversy between good and evil, that is, between Christ and Satan, even though Jesus was crucified, bled and died, he won the controversy. He did not submit to Satan's cruel temptations, and he rose to life again. Alleluia! So in the battle of life, we have the most powerful ally, Jesus. He's the victor. And if we, as we're faithful to him, we may share his victory. The last verse of Revelation 12 says, For the devil has come down to you, having great wrath or fury, because he knows he has only a short time. Friends, you too can have the victory. You too can be overcomers. Commit your life to Jesus and stay committed. Ask that the Lord's will be accomplished in you, in your life, and despite any difficult circumstances that come your way, there will be victory, along with peace and joy and eternal happiness for you. Well, we've come to the end of today's program. May the Lord bless you mightily as you abide in him. Until next time, this is Len signing off, and I wish you hope and peace and that you too will commit yourself to the Lord.
Jesus.